Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. A solar company closes, leaving its customers with unfulfilled contracts. Two years ago, we thought we would already be off coal. We'd be generating enough electricity on our own. Why the FBI is now investigating Sun Badger Solar for fraud. I'm not surprised. I mean, it, it all felt really shady. And he thought his money was safe in the bank. Then $4,000 went missing. It made it a lousy Christmas. I was laying in bed for a week depressed. Why his safe deposit box wasn't so safe and how Contact 6 helped solve the mystery. I'm just happy it's over. I'm happy I got my money. Fox 6 Studios, this is Open Record. I'm Brian Polson, and I am joined this week by Contact 6's Jenna Sachs. Hey, Jenna, welcome back to Open Record. Oh, thank you for having me. And we, as always, are joined by Open Record's executive producer, Sarah Smith. Hey, Sarah. Hello. We are recording this episode on Wednesday, February 28th for release on Thursday, February 29th. And it's been a strong start to the year for Contact 6. How strong? Jenna's going to tell us about that right after we take this quick break. All right, so Jenna is back. And Jenna, every time you come here, I feel like you have better news about Contact 6, but a really strong start to, to 2024 already. Yeah, I'm happy to share. I spoke with Annette yesterday, who's my associate producer, who works on all our cases behind the scenes. And she told me we surpassed $100,000 for 2024. So that's a really that's good awesome. start to the year. $100,000. And what was the total for last year, do you recall? $670,000, wow. something like that. So it's yeah. going to be another good year, hopefully. Awesome. And I like to bring that up because it reminds people we have Annette working behind the scenes yes. five days a week working on these cases that are never going to show up on TV right. but we're reaching out to businesses all the time on behalf of consumers trying to resolve their problems and I made a list of just some of the issues we've yeah, resolved these in are the last ones that won't even be on TV right. that you want to talk about no right? yeah. just warranty issues issues with banks wireless and cell phones your social security payments uh, furniture deliveries that went poorly medical supplies hotel rooms home contractors. I could just go on and on. And that's just from the last couple of weeks. And so we cover such a wide variety of issues, issues we can be helpful with. So I just like to mention those in case someone is watching or listening and has a problem that we might be able to help with. Every Friday, Annette sends out kind of a, a week wrap of like the cases that they helped resolve and, and the dollar amount they got back for viewers. And every week, I'm not kidding. I, you know, I love reading through them, but I, first thing I do, scroll all the way to the bottom to see total saved or, you know, money got back this week. And every week it's like 10,000 plus 12,000 plus. So I love it. I think it's great. And I think Annette really helps establish the connection between the consumer and the business. And she does such a wonderful job of, of making each side feel heard and getting action. Right. And every person who submits something to our segment will hear back from us. If we can't take their case, we'll explain why and offer some resources. And Annette is often following up with people saying, hey, I got your complaint form. Can we tweak this part? I don't think we can ask for that. Like we don't do punitive damages, for example. So she might ask to tweak the form with someone. Um, so she's constantly taking calls from people 
offering updates on how their cases are going. And she's got a very calming presence. I can hear her on the phone. And I I think she's doing a really great job. Obviously, the numbers support that. And that email is a really fun mm -hmm. read. I think about the fact that we are a consumer investigative unit, but we have our own sort of internal decision-making process as to what is an investigation, Mm -hmm. what's a a contact six-piece, what's something you'll work on behind the scenes. A viewer at home doesn't necessarily know what that is, so they reach out to Context Six. Sometimes there's someone with a story that maybe doesn't fit what you do, but you realize this could be something that calls for a larger investigation, and that's something that I'll look into. It could be something, as you say, in many of these cases that never makes it on TV, and yet that's a service that Context Six is providing. So I always appreciate that it's not up to the viewer to figure that out. You'll let them know, is this something we do or not? And if not, here's where you can go. Right. And people may think their case is too small. We get a lot of complaints that are along the lines of my refrigerator stopped working and I can't get the company to provide me a replacement or come and provide the repair. That's not something that's going to end up on TV, although we have shown it actually in the past. But there are issues that are smaller, maybe just $100 or $1,000. And you could still try Contact 6 and we'll make that outreach on your behalf if it meets all our criteria. I see in my notes here, you have a couple of cases that aren't the stories we're talking about today, but that you want to highlight i did i did want to mention them we had some wonderful resolutions in the last couple of months there was a woman who was having a medical billing issue we spoke with these two sisters diane and marie and marie suffered two strokes uh within the last few years and after that she had a lot of medical appointments and she switched to medicare but her insurance provider it wasn't canceling her plan initially. So that led to some confusion with where her claims should be going. Should it be going to her old insurance? Should it be going to Medicare? And she was having trouble getting her hospital system to send all those claims to the right place. We reached out on her behalf and about $21,000 in medical bills were processed correctly. And this was really challenging for Marie because since her strokes, she has issues communicating. She can't speak like she used to. She can't communicate this very well over the phone. So she just had that extra hurdle of trying to figure this out. Her sister was there trying to help with the process and even she was running into some walls. So I wanted to mention that. And we also spoke with um, a woman recently named Bonnie who just got her fourth resolution through contact the customer. We call them frequent flyers. I like it. She (laughs) understands how we work and where we can be effective. And since 2000, she's had these four resolutions. Two were under Katrina Cravey and one were through me and Annette. And she basically had an issue with a hotel double billing her and a family member for a hotel stay. She couldn't get them to fix it. We reached out. It was quickly resolved. And she had issues in the past with, you know, monthly payments that kept being charged, even though she tried to cancel these monthly payments. Or she even had an issue with a family member who wanted to get a new driver's license and the paperwork was not working out. And we were able to get this person a driver's license in time to vote in an upcoming election. So those are just a few examples. I even had a waitress approach me. I I didn't tell you guys. You got recognized, but also. (laughs) But also she came up and said, hey, I just want to let you know, Annette is so wonderful. Oh, I love that. And she explained she had an issue with her car. She kept bringing it in for the same repair four times. Her engine was overheating. It was breaking down. One time she got stuck on the interstate with a child in the backseat. Um, It was really inconvenient. She was told, hey, it's fixed, and it wasn't fixed. So we reached out on her behalf, and she got a new engine replaced free of charge. So that was really nice to have someone just approach me and say, hey, I just want you to know, and that's great, and this process really worked for me. You know, I I think about how many people will say uh, two things you need in life, a good doctor and a good lawyer. 
and also keep contact six on speed dial, uh-huh. right? I mean, you know, she, she knows to have contact six ready to go because she knows how the process works and when it's effective. Yeah, it, it's, it, was, it was fun speaking with her because she said, I always know I can take it to the next level. I don't want to, but I know when I need to, contact six is is there for me I'm in those situations. sensing our creative services department ought no. to be thinking of a, a special I, promo with I this one say, person who says, yes. I know uh, when contact six but is I right for But I will say, me. Jenna is all like in her stories that she writes, because nine times out of 10, the person that we're interviewing or that we're getting the money back for or that we're helping says, if it wasn't for contact six, I never would have gotten this back or whatever they say, you know, uh, touting contact six. And every time Jenna's like, well, we could cut that for time. So modest. And every time I'm like, no, that's that going in. in. Yeah, right. And I'm messaging yeah. our creative services director and I'm saying, hey, there, here's another bite you can use in a promo. Here's another bite because it's true. It's not just, you're not saying to these, you know, people, hey, tell, t- tell us how much contact six helped. They say it because mm-hmm. it's the truth. Well, it's, being midwestern i think self-promotion is like not in our bones sure. yeah, yeah. Right? right so i have to remind myself it's not about me it's about the segment and it's working for people so we have to include those bites where they're like thank you contact mm-hmm. six it really worked for me because that resonates with other people who yep. might be watching at home saying oh i'm so angry with my cellular company mm-hmm. right now and maybe they'll consider filling out a form on our website fox6now.com i like what you point out though that it's it's so genuine it comes through that they mean it it's yeah. not like a kidnapper or terrorist video yeah. where, like you've <laughs> asked them and they're like say, i guess i have to say this but yeah it, they say it because they mean it and because it's been helpful well and that's the highlight of my job in contact six is going to these homes and meeting people whose issues we've resolved everyone is so nice and they're so welcoming and they're happy with how their experience went. Uh, So I've met so many wonderful people by doing those stories. We've got a couple of great stories to talk about today, and we're going to start with a case uh, with a solar installation company. And I know you spent a lot of time working on on, on this piece. Um, This is... uh, we often hear you d- dealing with stories where there is a controversy and maybe somebody gets money back. It's not often that the FBI gets involved. Tell us what's going on or what has been going on with this Waukesha Solar Panel Company. So this goes back a few years now, but basically we came into um, we we okay. Uh, uh, Got some documents recently. Sorry, I stumbled there. We came uh, into some court documents recently showing that the FBI had executed a search warrant at Slack Technologies in California. And Slack is a communication platform that coworkers can use to send chat messages back and forth, kind of like instant messenger all day long. And the FBI was looking into Sun Badger Solar's account with them, wanting years worth of communication records, looking into what they were saying to each other about um, cash deposits and installation dates and payments and any investigations into their company. And basically this company, Sun Badger Solar, has a lot of unhappy customers in Wisconsin, also Illinois and Minnesota, people who say I gave them money and my work either wasn't finished, it wasn't finished properly, or they never did any solar panel installation on my home. So that was uh, that was the starting point. That business is now closed, and now there are all these investigations underway. There are lawsuits. This is all really piling up for this one company. By the way, as we were sitting there, uh, Sarah was tapping me on the knee because I failed to take a commercial break, which we have to take. I was trying to be discreet. <laughs> we're going to do that real quick, and then we'll talk more about uh, Sun Badger Solar when we come right back. So Sun Badger Solar, this is a company that ends up being investigated by the FBI. Um, but in telling the story, you actually focused on a business here in uh, in the in Milwaukee's uh, Tricklebee Cafe. Is that right? Tell yes. me a little bit about their interaction with this company and what happened. Sure. So we've actually focused the Tricklebee Cafe on Fox 
Six News before because they are a nonprofit that lets people pay whatever they can for a meal. So if you have $5, pay $5. If you have a dollar, pay a dollar. If you have nothing, you don't have to pay anything. Um, so they are working in the city of Milwaukee and they're very eco-conscious and they had this goal of becoming coal-free. So they hired Sun Badger Solar to install 29 solar panels on the roof of their business, which they did. They paid this company $35,000, a lot of it through grants, um, through donations. The panels were installed, but they were never activated and they did not pass inspection. So here we are two years later, two years plus later, and those panels still haven't been activated. They thought by now they'd be generating solar power and it didn't happen. And basically when they started following up with this company saying, hey, can we get this going? We'd like to get connected. They were met with radio silence all of a sudden and their communication started to go unanswered. So we spoke with them because this business has since entered a receivership. There's been a whole process for trying to pay off some of those creditors, but Trickle B Cafe isn't expecting any money. Well, what stands out to me when you say some of that is I don't know a lot about how this process works yeah. because you started mm -hmm. saying things like they weren't activated. They need to be inspected. So they got the equipment. They, got, they the actually equipment, got the equipment, yeah. but then you have to have an inspector come out. We energies has to approve the connection. And if, if the inspectors aren't signing off on the work, you can't take that next step. It has to all be switch, safe yeah. before you put it on the grid and start, mm -hmm. you know, providing and selling all this stuff to we energy. So they have tens of thousands of dollars of useless equipment up on the roof at, right. right now. And one of the issues is they were told there should have been some sort of balcony all around the outside of their roof for safety purposes. And Christy, who is the director of the Trickle B Cafe said, we asked some Badger Solar about that once we failed and they gave some sort of indication they were trying to cut a corner and they didn't think that it would be noticed, uh, but they could not activate those panels until they had that railing and a few other changes made. So once the, the issue started happening where they were like, okay, they didn't pass inspection and we're not activating these panels. Okay. So then, like you said, they reached out to Sun Badger and, and radio silence. What eventually triggered the whole investigation? Was it so many complaints? How do those all get like, right. compiled? Yeah, I'll give you some real background. And the affidavit that was filed by the FBI really laid this out. So this company was started in 2018 by a guy named Trevor Sumner in Waukesha and also a man named Christopher Seip out of California. And they provided solar installations in three states. In 2022, different government agencies and uh, consumer groups, law enforcement noticed an increase in consumer complaints. Notice this company hasn't been around all that long at this point. And basically there was a pattern of customers saying work was started, it wasn't finished, it wasn't it wasn't started. And it basically says in the affidavit that the company knew that it was struggling. It knew that it was struggling to maintain its existing customers, but it says it appears that the company continued to sign more contracts, contracts and yeah. promise timelines, sometimes expedited timelines in exchange for cash payments to keep this business going. Uh, they even quoted a former revenue or chief um, financial officer for Sun Badger Solar who spoke with officials in Minnesota and basically said they were promising these expedited timelines that they knew could not or would not be met. The company even had an audit done in 2022 that revealed they were very much struggling, but they continued to promise these installation dates to customers. Eventually it started downsizing 
in December 2022, started some layoffs, and then eventually, in early last year, it dissolved its LLC, it closed its doors, and began this receivership process in the fall, which is an alternative to bankruptcy, right? It allows you to restructure and pay down some of your debts, pay off some of those creditors. As part of this process, they liquidated a lot of belongings and paid off a number of their workers, but the customers I spoke with hadn't seen any money from that. And receivership is a good option. If it's not an issue of cash flow coming in, obviously people want this product. The business model works in general, but the issue might be management or something along those lines. So this allows kind of a restructuring um, without the current management involved at all. What strikes me is there are a lot of businesses that fail. There are a yeah. lot of businesses that try to grow too fast and they just can't keep up with the sales they've made or or the things that they've committed to. The FBI doesn't usually get involved in that. Yeah. Do right. we know why the FBI is getting involved here? What is it about this that's different from your typical business goes bankrupt? So they're basically looking for evidence of a crime, specifically mail and wire fraud. They're investigating whether fraud was committed here. It's not a crime to be a bad business or to be bad at your job, right? You could say, we put it all in one pot. We didn't mean to lose track of the money. What they would have to prove here is that they were consciously using the money that was taken for specific projects for other purposes, using that money to stay afloat rather than specifically for the purpose the money was given. And they're basically looking for the who, what, where, when, why, and how of a potential crime being committed here. So they are feeling like this search warrant that was filed with Slack looking into all of the communication between employees will reveal whether or not these were conscious decisions being made or carelessness. The, um, the number of complaints. So the state gets the complaints. Um, you also talked with the better business bureau. Mm -hmm. Um, do we have any idea the scope of how many people were impacted, affected by this? Yeah. So I jotted down some numbers for us. So, uh, Starting with the BBB, they have 100 complaints in the last three years, and they give the company an F rating. So that's quite a lot. That started out as a company that was BBB accredited. When they stopped responding to complaints, they lost that accreditation and their rating dropped. There is another way that consumers can file complaints, and that is to the Department of Agriculture, Trade, and Consumer Protection. DATCAP has 148 complaints about Sun Badger Solar, which is a lot. Um, the next closest in 2023 was a company called Moxie Solar, which had 20. And to even put this in perspective even more, um, in 2023, DATCAP got 192 complaints in all about solar companies, and Sun Badger Solar was 145 of those. So when you're looking at the complaints, it's Sun Badger Solar and then everybody else. There's yeah. a there's a lot more about this one particular company. And it's not just you know complaints to these agencies, it's also lawsuits, right? If you look at their civil record in CCAP, there's a lot there. There are a lot of um, judgments that were awarded and not fulfilled, uh, as, as well as other kinds of lawsuits. Uh, you know, when you do these stories and I get really interested in the topic that you've done, you know I love to go do my research and learn more because I'm fascinated by the topics. And one of the things I found was, uh, and I don't even know who published this, it was some sort of an industry organization mm -hmm. that has a sort of a ranking of Wisconsin as the 12th fastest growing state for solar, even though we're kind of way down the list in, in terms of solar installations across mm -hmm. the country. It makes sense. We're in the Northern mm -hmm. Midwest. Yeah. It's not California. We're not in the desert Southwest. Um, but they, I don't know if you can see this on here. They have... Um, which which camera? My here we go right there. So you see this chart. This is 2021, I think. If I'm going backwards here, but 2021 through 2023, it, it looks like solar installations in Wisconsin sprung onto the map. 
in just the last few years. Like this is a recent surge. And then you have all these complaints against this one company. Is is has Sunbadger Solar had have they been one of the dominant players in the market in Wisconsin? Yes, uh, there was a, a lawsuit filed by the city of Chicago that said this was one of the fastest growing solar installation businesses in the Midwest. So they made reference to that. Um, it, there's obviously demand for it. There were credits available. There were financial incentives. Uh, created that made it easier for people to get solar. And a lot of people sign up for solar because they're interested in eventually creating their own energy and not having that monthly bill. They think this will eventually supplement it. And a lot of people are doing it for moral reasons too. They believe that this is good for the planet and they think that everybody should be doing this and they want to be the first to get on board. The difficult thing is when they run into companies and experiences like this, because I know there are good companies in Wisconsin that do solar installation, residential solar installation. And it's just a matter of asking them the right questions when you hire them. And I think a good one in this situation is how long have you been in business? Sun Badger Solar hasn't been around that long. I'm not saying there can't be a good business, but if you're investing a lot of money in a purchase like this, tens of thousands of dollars, you might want to ask how long they've been around. Are they locally owned? Ask what kind of certifications these people have. Um, I'm told you should ask for Midwest Renewable Energy Association certification and also a certification from something called NABSEP, which is the North American Board of Certified Energy Practitioners. So those are some things that you should ask. At least one person at that company should have that certification and ask about hidden fees. We've run into a lot of complaints about people saying, um, I didn't realize I'd be charged this and this. And you should also ask, can you guarantee a range for our power generation? That's something else we hear. They told me that I would generate this much power. I'm not generating nearly that much. And I'm told that good companies can give you some sort of range, even a conservative range often for what you'll be generating with your panels once they're up and working. I mentioned that research at Time Magazine had done a piece just uh, last month where mm -hmm. they talk about the number of bankruptcies of these kinds of companies. And maybe they're not all like a Sun Badger Solar where the FBI is looking into whether there was actual criminal intent. But obviously the industry in some ways is struggling. You've got a lot of these companies that are going out of business. What I wonder is as a consumer on the front end, there's a lot of uh, sort of economic pressure on these companies to get new customers and get them quickly. Some of these companies are even packaging these more as leases, as financial instruments rather than products, and they're selling them to banks and, and, and investors. And so when there's that much pressure to get new people on board, there's also pressure to maybe fudge a little bit about how much you're going to make and, and how much energy you're going to generate. So if you're getting into this, what I wonder is as a consumer, how do you protect yourself? How do you know if the promises they're making are genuine? Well, I think you should start by doing a, a lot of research into how long the company's been around. What's their BBB rating? Do the people who work there have certifications? Read online reviews. Um, and that's where it's helpful if a company's been around a long time because you can read reviews and get a better idea of how the company is. In general, if a company's only been around a couple of years, it's harder to know if those reviews have been posted yet. And you know, it helps when the company is locally based. I know Trevor Sumner and Sun Badger Solar were based out of Waukesha, but a lot of the companies that come into the area with salespeople who are maybe even going door to door or sending something to you in the mail, they're not local and they may just be hiring local people. And then if you have issues, it's hard to get a hold of your salesperson because maybe they aren't even with the company anymore. We hear about that quite a bit. So I would say, be 
be really skeptical of something that comes to you in the mailbox, an advertisement. If someone's knocking on your door saying, hey, we're in the area doing assessments for how much your, you know, your home could generate. I would just take a step back, go online, read a lot of reviews, and then go ahead and get those three estimates and feel out the company. Don't necessarily go for the cheaper option. Um, I there are companies that will do zero down, you know, you won't pay anything for a certain amount of time. And I think you should really analyze that agreement and the company before you sign something that sounds really too good to be true. Uh, because some of these loans that you're taking out may even be sold around if the business is gone, right? If, if the business closed, how do you take care of warranty issues? Where is your sure, loan yeah. going? Is that yeah. loan company still there? So there are a lot of concerns that come with going solar. And I'm not saying you shouldn't do it. There are a lot of good companies that you can work with, but you just want to make sure you find the right one. So another person that you talked with, um, aside from the trickle b cafe was a, a, another guy who had signed a contract with um sun, sun badger. badger thank mm -hmm. you um but then he ended up losing thousands of dollars as well yeah that's paul in milwaukee he was one of the 130 creditors listed on that receivership and he basically hired them to just put them on his roof and he said a month after he paid the company his money about eighteen thousand dollars they just stopped responding to him altogether. So he was one of those last people to sign on before just the bottom fell out. And he really never heard from them again. So that was just money he's not getting back. He's on a limited income and that was frustrating. And he had to hire someone else. Another company came in that he vetted and trusted. They installed his solar panels, but he's just not optimistic about getting any of that money back. He said after everything was liquidated, it seemed like most of the money went to the workers and he did not anticipate getting that $18,000 back. It's a loss. It's a huge investment. So like you say, do your homework up front. It, it, it pays off. Although I have to admit, when I think about my own home and I think about the weather in Wisconsin, mm -hmm. I just wish somebody had cloud panels because <laughs> those would do really well here. I, I wonder about sun. I've got a lot of trees. I don't know if I'm a great candidate. Well, it was fun yesterday because it was that really sunny yeah. 70 degree yeah. day, right. right? We went to a home to speak with someone about solar panels and he had an app where he could actually see how much he was generating and yes. track it yeah. over time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you can see the, the generating kind of peak in like May, June, July, and then it goes and down other times yeah. of the year. So, oh my gosh, if I had that app and I had solar panels, I would be on my phone all day going, it was okay, what fascinating. am I doing? It's like real time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, it, it's it, last, last question on this trickle B cafe. Did they ever get yeah. their equipment working? Is it just sitting up on the roof dormant? So within the last few weeks, they were able to get an inspector out there. They had an engineer out there. It looks like their equipment is good to go. Now they just need to connect to the grid. So they're optimistic that that's going to happen soon. It seems like all the boxes are checked and they just have one step left. Well, coming up next, we've got another contact six thirty to talk about, uh, and that is four thousand dollars goes missing from a safe deposit box, and the bank can't say where the money went. The box's owner wanted a refund, and that's where contact six came in. We'll talk about that right after the break. I don't know if you use a safe deposit box. I've never had one, but I see them a lot in movies. It always seems like a dramatic scene where someone's <laughs> going to get, like you know, passports and documents Very or something expensive like rings. that. But but if you have your valuables in a safe deposit box you assume they're safe but maybe that's not the safest assumption jenna right well not after this story we reported on it doesn't give you a lot of confidence but we heard from a man named jeffrey temmer and basically jeffrey uses a safe deposit box he keeps cash in there that he doesn't want to be able to access all that easily so instead of being able to quickly use his you know card 
access his bank account. He keeps it in the box and he only goes there when limits he's, his temptation. Yeah, to exactly. Yeah. So it was, a, it was a matter of personal responsibility for him. So he had $4,000 in a safe deposit box at a Wells Fargo in West Dallas. It was time for Christmas shopping. He went down and how it works is you have a key and the bank also has a master key and you use them at the same time to open the box. Just one key won't open it. He got there and the box had been drilled out, which is the only way to open it if you don't have the keys. <laughs> Could you imagine? Now, when you say, and I saw that or heard yeah. that story, when you say drilled out, was it drilled out from the customer side or well, drilled yes. out from the bank side? Or how so does the that bank work? has a way to drill it out. That's what you do if basically a key is lost or the person okay. stops making payments. So this wasn't drilled out by like, this wasn't like a bank robbery, like mm -hmm. a heist where someone was in there with a, you know, they're, they're listening and then they've Ocean's got the 11 style. Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. That's what I'm picturing. <laughs> that's what, I picture, that's yeah. what I'm picturing is somebody yeah. dropped through the uh, laser beams and got yeah. to the floor and then no, that's not I don't think it's was. quite that exciting. Okay. All right. No, it sounds <laughs> uh. the bank probably, and as we found out, had something to do with it. But the, the box was drilled out the way it would be if the bank was emptying the box. Let's say someone stopped paying their monthly fees. This is the way to empty it and take care of that. So he got there and the the box was empty. And he said the manager seemed as surprised as he was. They sat well, in her office. That would not instill confidence <laughs> at all. Uh, well, he said they sat there and she said, this is a top priority for me. I'm going to figure out what happened. But then a couple months passed and he was asking for a refund of his $4,000 and he hadn't gotten it yet. He was told to provide a signed affidavit, which he did. And they also said, we need a copy of the police report. The police wouldn't release that report until the investigation was closed. And I tried on his behalf too. They wouldn't give it to me either. So he had kind of felt like he hit a wall saying, I, I feel like I deserve this money back. It's a huge source of stress for me. And he felt like he wasn't getting any more. And so he tried us instead. It's sort of a catch 22, right? They're saying we need the police report yeah. to prove that this happened. And police say we can't give it to you until we solve the mystery. So that's what I'm trying to do. That's what exactly what I'm trying to get to. Yeah, well, right. You said safe deposit box. So but then you also mentioned if you're not paying your you're up to date on your fees. So can you explain because I mean, I watching the story, I learned a lot because I don't use a safe deposit box. I don't I know what they are, I thought, but right. can you walk people through what that so is? So a safe deposit box is basically a box at a bank. It might be like a metal box. If you walk into like a vault, you would see rows of these things and you keep valuables in there. It could be passports, birth certificates. It could be old family photos, stamp collections, jewelry. It could be anything of value to you where you want to keep it somewhere outside the house. So if you, we spoke with the director of Marquette's commercial banking program for this story, he said it's basically a good option and it is safer than keeping these items at home where there's a higher chance of fire or burglary, at least at a bank, there are cameras in the building, there may be a security guard outside the door. The idea is that it's, there's a good sprinkler system in case of a fire. It, there's a, it's, it's more protected in this environment. So you don't have to worry about having it at home, but it's not like a bank account in that it's not insured in general by the FDIC. If something goes wrong with your bank account and money is stolen, um, there are ways to get that money back if the bank is at fault. But in this case, it was a little less cut and dry because those items in general are not insured by the FDIC. Well, and I imagine the bank doesn't know what you have in there, right? Or do they? Right. Do they inventory no. when you put things in or you put in what you want to and it's supposed to be in that box? The professor at Marquette told me no. So how how can they insure something when they don't know what's in there yeah, okay. is what he's saying Makes the sense. argument is. Jeffrey's contract with the bank does say that they're not liable for losses over $10,000. So that may have helped him in his case saying, hey, I lost $4,000 
you know, can you refund me here for the money that was lost? Do you pay monthly or how do you, do you, you can. rent it like a, an apartment? Yeah, I believe Jeff had a monthly payment. Okay. It's not a very high amount okay. to keep this box. I think you can also pay an annual fee if you want. And if you stop making your payments after a certain amount of time, usually the bank can remove those items and they may do an auction, you know, at some mm -hmm. point to uh, get rid of these items. I think about, you know, if you're a bank and, and we're hearing about a lot of banks are, are not doing safe deposit boxes anymore. If they build new branches, they're not even putting them in because they say this isn't really that profitable for us after all. Mm -hmm. And and because of the, you know, the some of these other factors, it's just not it's not a big money maker. So it's not a focus of their business. So you're not seeing a lot of the added extra maybe technology and this is sort of an old way. Mm -hmm. of yeah, doing it does things, right? seem this like is an kind old of way. a it's a legacy way, I guess, of protecting your items. There are still a lot of people who do it, though. Right. right. I mean, they, uh, the professor I spoke with was under the impression that they're still relevant, that people still want them for various reasons, and that quite a number of banks still offer them locally. So what happens? To, he's got this four thousand dollars that's just missing and the bank says, we don't know why the box was drilled out or what's happened. Is he just in limbo? What happens? So he was feeling he like he was in limbo. So we reached out to Wells Fargo on his behalf and to their credit, they acted very quickly after they heard from us. He got a phone call the next day promising his refund. And within a week, they invited him to a meeting at a different branch and they gave him his $4,000 plus another $500 for his trouble and he was very they gave, that's a, they that. gave him five hundred dollars for his trouble I mean, yeah that's the last thing i expect i mean i don't yeah. mean to disparage a bank but either. i didn't expect that to come from a right. bank. no he was he was very surprised and pleased with that uh so we were happy that they resolved this and basically the bank's spokesperson when we talked said you know we apologize that this happened obviously protocols weren't followed obviously proper protocols weren't followed and we regret that this happened our communication could have been better and we apologize that this resolution didn't happen but do sooner. we still have any idea what happened to the four thousand dollars that's the to me i'm almost more interested in the mystery yeah, right, of how money right. goes missing from a say who drilled it out and, and where did it go so when we ran the story initially we didn't know because mm -hmm. the bank wasn't telling us and jeffrey didn't know the answer since then um the police department in West Dallas has closed its investigation and I had filed an open records request for that police report. And so they promptly sent it to me after it was closed. And they basically said that um, a woman had told the bank that she needed her box drilled out. So they drilled out what they so thought she's lost her key was her or something. Or, something. Yeah. We don't know exactly, okay. but this client wanted to drill out her box. The bank drilled out the wrong box. <laughs> and the police report says that Wells Fargo told this officer, um, we found the money in there. We gave the money to this woman. She actually said it wasn't hers, but we said, no, it's it's yours, take it. Um, wait, 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 I know. She told the bank this no, isn't my money and they said, just take it. Yeah, that's that's just what the report it. says. Oh, no. So oh, no. he took the money. The bank says it was a paperwork error, a clerical error. And then she watched our story and- <laughs> That's saw, wild. This saw is the so money. wild. I love it. And she called the bank and said, I, I have this gentleman's money. I would like to give it back to you. So at the time this police report was written, she was in the process of giving that money back okay. to the bank. That That is an interesting part of the report. But the police report basically concluded that, you know, no criminal act occurred. Uh, the bank wow. says it was an error. Jeffrey got his money back. And the case was marked as inactive and... I mean, I mean, all, all's well that ends well, but it but it, it only ends well in part because this was such an honest 
customer yeah, who's like, right. it's not my money and I'm going to hang on to it. Right. And then all of a sudden I'm watching Fox 6 News. Could you imagine? <laughs> no, but I think about it. So I go to the Y and, you know, they have those like four digit bleep bleep bloop on the yeah, lockers. So the, yeah. And sometimes I'll slip up or my finger or whatever. And I need to call someone at the desk to yeah. come help me. And yes. every time before they open it, they go, what's inside? And I'm like, uh, a black fanny pack and a coat or a black coat. And they go, okay, there it is. And they give it to me. Do you think the safe deposit box, they just opened and they were like, what's inside? Like, right. Yeah. Well, in my mind, yeah. I was okay, wondering, was it, did she not know what was in that box? Right. Or was it a loved one's? Or yeah, who knows yeah. the circumstances yeah. of do, why that I happened? Do but wonder, it does make you go, huh. Yeah. Yeah. I do wonder on the front end when you say, I need to have a box drilled out, what are the steps they're <laughs> taking to ensure that it is yours bedding. and that whatever's right. in there belongs yeah. to you? I imagine there's a, a process for that. But it's hard to hard to have full confidence when they open it up and a person yeah. goes, that's not actually my stuff. And they go, just Well, and if, but if the bank doesn't know what's in it, I mean- they're That's right. Yeah, and if, say, and if yeah. like you said, if she was going to get this box drilled out to her credit or, you know, she may not even know what was in it either because, yeah, maybe it was someone else. And I this may know. be what the bank meant when they told me clearly proper protocol mm-hmm. wasn't followed and they said they had taken steps to make sure it wouldn't happen again. No, and I mean, the 500 that they gave shows that that's a demonstration of mm-hmm. we know we really, you know, messed up here and we just as show a good faith, keep you around as a customer. We, so that so that's great. I just think the, the, the idea of a safe deposit box, I mean, if you really think mm-hmm. about most of our connection to them, if you don't use them, mm-hmm. it is the movies. And right. so the I born saw identity. That, that, yeah. so yeah. I, went, I actually Gets went back after seeing this. I actually went back and watched the opening scene. <laughs> of course you The did. born identity. And it is so dramatic. It and is, it's funny. Yeah. He walks mm-hmm. in and he's got a serious face. And the person at the front counter looks suspicious <laughs> and he slides across a piece of paper with a number. And it's also very like, right. you know, people are walking in with, you know, glasses and suits and it's very, it seems highly secure. Right. And then inside is like, you know, all of the things he needs to commit crimes or whatever it is, but, or his, bring his new identity. I, I guess we just don't imagine mm-hmm. Something like this is even possible, but I did end up finding another story. There was a story in I Minnesota. I wasn't Minnesota, was Minnesota. It, or maybe it was. Maybe it was Minnesota where there were because of a bank consolidation, they oh, actually different... had boxes from different oh. uh, different banks. Mm-hmm. So there were two boxes that had the same uh, box number, uh-oh. and they drilled out the wrong box. And when they did, some of the contents of one of the boxes somehow fell into one of the other or something like that. And so there was a real mess. They ended up sorting it out. But a guy had like 85 watches that were very valuable. Wow. And he ended up getting back 60 some of them. And they don't know what's happened to the rest. At least that's my recollection. But it was a really bizarre story. And it made me think these things aren't quite as secure as I guess I always thought. Well, I will say the professor I spoke with in the banking program said they are generally safe. And in this case, I mean, Jeffrey did get his money back. Sure, and I absolutely. did read about yeah. another case out, out of Minnesota where that customer also got their belongings or their money back. So it sounds like the banks took this seriously. And I guess that's a good thing. And I'm sure these are extremely rare yeah. cases. It, yeah, it's, it's much more common that there is a home burglary or a fire or something. And if you've kept your stuff at home, I can imagine the safe deposit box is still far safer uh, but it's just these are stories that I guess we never expected to hear. It would so. be so fascinating to just see what's in everybody's boxes. I know, I know, I know. It, it, do you think everybody has like ten passports and different identities, or is that just the movies? I I don't know. I just imagine big ruby rings. All right. Well, we are going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to go off the record. And it is time for us to go off the record. 
This is the part of the podcast where we get a little more casual and have a little fun by answering a question for which we have done absolutely no preparation because Sarah Smith has that question for us. What do you have, Sarah? Well, I almost thought I didn't do any preparation. I was like, where's the sheet? I got it. Okay. Today, we're going to pick. We're going to pick one of our Fox 6 colleagues to be stuck on a deserted island with. Who are you going to pick and why? A, it could be on air, behind the scenes. You have to give a little bit of context as to why you're picking them and maybe what their role is here at the station. But you're we, going to I a deserted like we, island. Didn't we ask this question or answer this question like years ago? 2017 like, or something? No, I'm just I've, kidding. No, I but I know. feel like, I, but and, and I think my answer will have changed since then. We've had a lot, we of, won't turnover, tell that other a lot of turnover in Fox 6 News. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, we have so many people that are resourceful in yes. different ways. Yeah. yeah, well, that's that's what I'm thinking. Right, right. Which, What's which your do you priority? What yes, is my right. priority? Like Amanda St. Hilaire would assess every detail of that island yes. and figure out, you know, yes. how, when are the boats going to be coming by? And she'd build she some have sort a schedule. of system. She'd have a, in the sand yes, in with the her sa- stick. Yep, with if, her there were, yep. if there were native islanders, she would definitely keep them in order. Yes. Right. She right. Would, yeah. I, she, I would handle, she would handle all the, the details. I'd probably That's be the valid. labor. Um, but she would be a good person. But then okay. there's other people who are like clever in, you know, mm-hmm. different ways. Um, like are determined in certain ways that you might want them on your side too. Well, the question, because I, I think is the question about survival, like it's a deserted yeah, island right. and you need somebody who's resourceful to, or it's just who could I stand could and I who stand? would I want uh, to be with. The first thing I thought was That's... like, who is pleasant? And the first person that came to my mind is Tim Van Boren. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he yeah. is the most even keel, cool guy. Just, I, I really think, hey, if we're going to go to a deserted island, I feel like he'd be like, hey, it's okay. Let's, let's, be, we're okay. We're going to go mm-hmm. find some food and then we're going to do this and filter our water or whatever. You know, he would just be real calm and I'd probably be like frazzle dazzle. Well, I think about all of our different photographers because kind of being a reporter mm-hmm. in a car with a photographer on a long drive can be like being on a deserted island. Yeah. And there are some that are so easy to be around, like Tim, yes. who I work with every day. He is the easiest person to be around. He's so, like, he doesn't get worked up about a whole lot. He's got a can-do attitude, yeah. just easy to be around. Tim so, Primo, our Tim, photographer. Yes, our yes. photographer. Different yeah. Tim. Yes. But, you know, there's mm-hmm. there's some people whose personalities are just so great to be in the car with. Because, yes. you know, there's going to be no stress. Everybody's going to be happy. It'll be a good day. Right. It's hard because there's a lot of people I could see who would be fine, but the, for some reason, what comes to my mind is more the resourcefulness thing. And I think of how much Eric Mangus knows about just the oh, land. Gosh. And yeah, I think where right. he he would immediately know <laughs> what right. were the poisonous yes. plants. You're right. Tell, don't uh-huh. touch that Native one. Don't plants. touch that. No, that's yes. that's that You're one's right. dangerous. You're this right. one will sustain you. I mean, I feel like Eric. Yes. These, these animals. Let me tell you about them. He would be able to inform me about things I would have no clue about. You're um, right. And he's an entertaining guy to talk that's to. That's true. So I feel like the combination of the two. I'm, I'm gonna. Say Eric. That's a really good choice. I've texted yeah. him pictures of my garden before, saying, "Is this a weed?" You know. Yes. <laughs> and every time my like, like my tulips pop up, I know he's probably just cursing them because they're not native plants. Really? So he, he lives in my head. <laughs> gave me some milkweed. Yes. Do you remember he, he sent an email uh-huh. out saying, "Who would like some milkweed?" Yes. And did then you he delivered it? it to my office. Uh, I did, but I don't know if it's going to come back. Okay, that's fine. It takes a couple years. Does to... it? Okay. Yeah, okay. I also feel like if we needed to kind of know what was going to be happening. Like we're on the island and he's like, yes. oh, I feel like there's probably a storm system coming in. If you yeah. see that, you yeah. know I mean? so you've got the land, the you've got the plants. He knows you're what's right. happening with okay. the weather. I mean, there's he, a lot Eric of. Mangus is he a good may choice. have moved to the top yeah, of the you're list. Right, you're That's right, a really right. good choice. Wow, okay. uh, he's going to love this episode. Who isn't we? He, well, he, we all, he we actually have... has told me he listens from time to time. So let's not tell him. Oh, okay. And, and just find out if he. Let him find out that we all want to be stranded on a desert island with Eric Mangus, apparently. Okay. Kale. We're not wishing to be stranded. Eric Mangus. 
I yeah, I like Eric. <laughs> I like Eric. I was also thinking producer Jeff View. Okay. That's true. Yeah. He knows how to fish. Yeah. That's a he good point. He can catch yeah. us food. I got the camping and stuff oh, settled. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You yeah, cook. you wouldn't be a bad person to have around I, either, Kale. I think. Yeah, I think Jeff, because I've been fishing with him, and he's way better than than me and anyone else who I've been fishing with. So I think that would be solid. Okay. We'd be set. You're, you're right about Kale, though, because Kale, you yeah. you are, obviously you, you you know you have the culinary instincts, but you also you love to camp. So you've spent yeah. a lot of time outside, not, you know, w- without all the amenities nearby. I think you'd be calm and like, you know, we find out we're stranded. Mm-hmm. That initial yeah. sort of like just, oh, my gosh, we're stuck here. Yeah. I think you'd be cool and like, OK, let's just do this. Let's yeah. let's make it happen. I'm glad the question wasn't who do you not want to be on? The- well, that's, <laughs> that, yeah, that's, that's, that- <laughs> we'll see who uh, really listens. That's, again, that's for open record after dark. Um did we at least arrive with some things like we've got for a while? We've got some batteries so that Dave can play me some low light mixes uh, if it's me and Dave Machuda. Because Dave, we could we could put the earbuds in, low light mixes, chill under the stars. That I'm not bringing cool. Dave though. We would <laughs> not... just swear at each other the whole time. I think we would just be like, ah, oh, forget. I it. Let's feel just like we'd swear sand. about the people who were responsible for us yeah. being on the island. Yeah, you're right. You're and right. That you're would right. be okay. You're all right. you have is what was in your pockets and all the FedEx boxes that washed ashore. Oh. The FedEx boxes is that. Wait, is that a reference to something? A, yeah, is that a? That's, um, don't that's you remember Castaway? Castaway. Oh, all oh, I could think okay. of was the word Wilson. I was, like, oh, I was, yeah, Wilson. I was thinking yeah. of Lost, and I was thinking of the, the airplane crash. That's a whole different story. Oh, whole, um, yeah. Well, they're both airplane crashes. Yeah. But was Cast? I see. I, yeah. don't re- I, I remember Wilson. I never. I don't know that I ever saw the entire movie Castaway. It's a whole different topic. What movies has everybody else seen that you haven't seen Ooh. and you're embarrassed to admit? Oh, ask that one. In writing a, that one down. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. Okay. Because um, there are uh, movies like that that I'm sure people would be appalled I haven't seen. I have a list in my head right now. Uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. This is another story. Save your answer. answer. We got to take one more break. Okay. All right. Yeah. Oh, we do have to take a quick break. We'll be right back after this. All right. We've got to wrap it up here pretty quickly. So if you have a topic you would like us to discuss on Open Record, an issue you think we should investigate for Fox 6 News, send us an email to fox6investigators at fox.com. Sarah, Jenna, thanks. Of course. Thank you to the people who make this podcast possible, including our editor, Dave Machuda, and our chief photographer manning the video switcher, Kale Zimney. With that, I'm Brian Polson. We'll be back next week.